Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. If you are ready to be a fly on the wall for some deep and delicious conversation, then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about planting new thought seeds and empowering our black minds to go deeper, touching on topics that most people may not think to think about. And we do this with everyday real people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, Master NLP and Hypnosis Practitioner and Trainer, Author, Speaker and Coach and the Founder of the Black Mind Garden Community. I'm here to motivate, empower and inspire you to be powerfully in the driver's seat of your mind and think outside the box so you can have the deepest experience of joy, success, freedom and peace of mind in all areas of your life. Now, let's get to the good stuff. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know every time we release another mind remapping meal for you. Okay, y'all, let's get meta. Hey, y'all, it's Dr. Maisha, and we are back on another episode of the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. I am super excited today because we are talking about financial literacy, something we have not talked about on the show before, and we're talking about it with an amazing, and I'm going to say young man, because, you know, I mean, I'm not old, but (laughs) to me, he's a young man but he is a grown ass man. Don't get it twisted. And and his name is Kevin Wilkinson. He's the owner of uh, Goldwater Home Loans. And who he is to me is he's my mortgage guy, right? So he is, as I'm uh, stepping into the world of real estate investment, he has been supporting, helping, and um, helping me get funded and just like, you know, being one of my team players. So I'm excited to have him on because we've had some really, really good conversations offline around building generational wealth, around the importance of financial literacy. And I was like, you know, we need to have this conversation publicly. So welcome, Calvin. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing really well. And I'm so excited that you're here because I think this is such an important topic. So, you know, I always like to start out by having the listeners know who you are. So tell us a little about a little bit about you, about how you came to be in this arena and how you came to already be in the space of financial literacy at your age. I'm going to tell your age later, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want the do you want the short story or do you want the long story? Do you want it from the very beginning, the origins, or do you want, you know, just my story? Give it to me however you think you you think okay. valuable. If you want to give me the long story, we want to hear the long story. We've got time. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll start from the very beginning then. Okay. Yes. So um yeah, so um as Dr. Maisha said, my name is Calvin Wilkinson. I originally, um, I'm from New York. I moved from New York to Atlanta when I was the age of three. My parents are uh, of Caribbean descent. So my mother's from Grenada, a small island in the Caribbean, it has about 100,000 people. And my dad's from Guyana, which is a country in South America. Um, it's very closely affiliated with the Caribbean, though, culturally. Wait, wait, I got to pause you. That totally makes sense. You're from Grenada. <laughs> 
I'm from Grenada. And yes, you're of Grenada. My mom. Grenadian and and Guyana. You said Guyana was your your father, right? Guyana, correct. Yes. Oh, okay. So now this is. I'm gonna tell you why it's making sense in a moment, but it makes so much sense now. You have Caribbean descent. All right, go. <laughs> of Caribbean descent. So that's where I came from. I came from two parents so, who were um, from the Caribbean. We moved to, well, I wasn't there yet. So it was more like my parents moved to New York um, and they started their medical careers. My dad is a medical doctor currently, um, but he went to New York for his college degree. And then uh, once he received that, um, he moved over to Atlanta for his residency where myself and my oldest brother came along with them. Um, I went to um, school here in Atlanta, Georgia and was raised here. Uh, eventually went off to college in Virginia at a school called William and Mary. It's a small liberal arts school. Um, there I studied biology. Look, I'm, gonna I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you one more time. Who, what is your dad's name? Uh, Colin Wilkinson. Oh my God, I know your dad. You know my dad? I know your dad. That's okay. amazing. I love it. When you know, it just clicked when you said your dad is from Guyana and he's a medical doctor and then he moved to Atlanta. I thought to myself, this is not the Dr. Wilkinson that I know because of your because I know your age. You guys, this guy, this 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 <laughs> stellar young man is 27 years old. So then I did the calculation and I was like, oh, his dad is my age. Do I know him? And I know Colin. That is so amazing. He's an awesome dude. Okay, keep going. I've got to tell you a little story when you're done. <laughs> so I uh, moved to Atlanta and then I went to college in Mary, Virginia. Uh, while I was at college, you know, um, my parents put the pressure on me. They were like, you know, become a medical doctor, you know, follow the family tradition. And so I started, I studied biology for the first couple well, I studied biology throughout my whole college career. Mm -hmm. My interest in it was probably for the first, first couple years because I realized that I had a better acumen for business and finance. That's where my heart lied. I wanted to build companies. I wanted to organize people and lead people and try to accomplish big things, which you can do with a medical degree. But I felt like for me personally, that wasn't my academic expertise. So um, I finished out my degree in biology and I actually uh, graduated in 2016. All right, so you went to Mercer? Yes, yeah, so I went to Mercer University um, to get my master's in public health, mainly um, because my mother at the time when I came home was like, a, you know, any Caribbean mother usually is pressing the issue for you to, you know, become a lawyer or a doctor, just make something of yourself, right? Because I came from school with a biology degree, but I didn't have any prospects really for a job. I didn't want to be in a research lab and I wasn't going down the doctor route, which was the initial plan. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out for myself what my next step was going to be. That's right. And so I enrolled in uh, Mercy University, kind of just as a thing to, to, to appease my mother, make her happy. But honestly, I have no regrets about it now. I'm completely mm -hmm. happy about it. Um, oh, while I was there, I was, um, well, first job I actually got was selling Obama phones to just a salesman, salesman, because I was just so motivated. I was so hungry for success. I was like, just show me the way. Mm -hmm. I, there was no fear in my heart. It's just like, show me the way to success and I'll do it, you know, no matter what. That was my attitude. Mm -hmm. So any opportunity, any little sliver of light that I saw, I was going for it full force. 
Um, so I, I was selling phones, Obama phones. I got $10 per phone sold. I, I would drop my brother off at school at 6.30 in the morning, go to that office in Sandy Spring at 7.30, and I'd be there till like 8 or 9. Mm. That didn't last very long. It lasts like maybe uh, maybe two months. Um, that was like really my first job ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, I had to find something more permanent. So luckily, I ran into my dad's mentor, my dad's friend, who became my mentor in the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. Um, he taught me about just about everything I know in terms of setting up a mortgage company because mm-hmm. he owned a direct lender called Westminster Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Vincent Perry now. He has another mortgage company. I'm um, in like Tennessee and North Carolina now, but um, he was a mentor to me. He really took me under his wing and he taught me the basics of applying for a mortgage company license, handling the business, handling customers and those sorts of things. So that was my first like big break. Right. It was surprising to me because it wasn't related at all to biology and it wasn't related at all to public health. But here I am, you know, going to public health classes in the evenings. But by day, I'm working as a mortgage professional and learning business, yeah. which was a huge blessing. Absolutely. So, yeah, so after I left Westminster, um, I went to a company called First Fidelity Funding, which was like a smaller mortgage company. Mm-hmm. And there I, I learned how to hone my skills as an individual in the business with less support staff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I really got the ability to work independently in the mortgage space and kind of understand the process from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. After that, I went to a company called Mylan, which was a larger company. And that, that really opened my eyes to how big the mortgage com- mortgage business is and how much it can help our community, you know? Because when I looked around, I was like, well, there's no one who looks like me. Um, there's definitely no one my age. Because in our business, the, the mortgage business, the average loan officer, which is who most consumers speak to, is um, quite frankly, a white man in their late 50s. Yeah. Um, and in this business, it's I feel like it's a lot like being a physician in a sense of like, you maybe are a financial doctor, and your job is to help those people get their financial solutions or their financial life um, set. And that job, it goes on a continuum. Some people are really good at it. They're going to apply a great bedside manner and care a lot about their clients. And some people are just going to be like, hey, you know, you qualify or you don't, we'll keep it moving. Right. But what we, what we provide as our company is we're actually going to coach you through the whole process from beginning to end. We're going to be patient with you. If you're not here there today, we're going to help you get there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a lot of the larger companies, they don't give you that precaution. It's like you're applying and it's yes or no. That's right. And we'll see you in six months or a year, you know? So that's a part of the market that we fill is we are actually your advisors. We understand you. We are a lot of times your friend because we have a lot of friendly people that work with our company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just try to approach it from that perspective and, and my my experience from being um, working at Westminster, which is where I started off, to working at Milan, which is where I ended, has all led me to be someone who I feel like is a financial expert for our community. And I, I feel like I can help a lot of people through that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just think that's so valuable because you're right. I mean, having dealt with several, you know, and over the over time, several mortgage professionals. It's rare to come across someone. First of all, uh, it's rare to come across someone of your age, right? And you're right. The average age is like middle-aged white man, you know, 40, 40, late 40s, 50s, early 50s, right? 
And so it is, and, and, and quite frankly, and I think I shared this with you, one of the reasons I, I think I reached out to you personally, because I was looking for a, you know, a person of color, a black person who was a mortgage person to, I, I'm big on supporting black businesses. Right. And I think I shared that with you. And so, um, that's one of the benefits of having someone who has a little bit um, like more intimate of an op- operation is that you get that coaching uh, through the process. And so I, I think that's what we need because, you know, I can share from my standpoint, and this is, you know, why I said a little bit earlier, pre-conversation, pre-recording is that it's really great to see people who are of your age gaining such financial um, literacy and entrepreneur um, acumen such a, such an early age, because, you know, growing up and most of the people listening know, I think I've said my age plenty of times, I'm 46. So closer to 50 than I am to 40 these days. And, (laughs) (laughs) and so, um, I, I wasn't taught that kind of, um, financial, you know, literacy at, at a younger age. Right. I wasn't, it wasn't modeled to me because I come from, I'm, I'm the child of a generation that was like, get a job, you know, work 60 years, retire, you know, right. if you own your own business, then you get your money. You don't, you spend it, you not you're not really, or you put it in a savings account. I didn't really hear a lot about investing until I was a little bit older. Uh, my dad, he did invest, but the most that he talked about was like, you know, investing in mutual funds, like, you know, the safe the safe um, route to go, bonds and mutual funds and things of that nature. So I never learned about trading or investing in the market or investing in real estate. I didn't learn about that stuff. So I just think it's it's to see, it, it's important in our community that we begin to do this because then we can begin to break cycles of this whole having to start from scratch to build, right? Mm-hmm. And we can begin to create that legacy. That's like my entire, that's one of my highest values is creating legacy for my son. Cause we got to create a new narrative around this whole generational wealth thing. Do we not? Absolutely. And, and one of the things you said really spoke to me was about the concept of investing, you know, investing is extremely important, whether that be in real estate or the stock market, that's how we can preserve our wealth and pass it down to the next generation. So I know a lot of people, their concept of money is it's something that you use to buy valuable goods, Mm -hmm. but honestly, money should be something that you use to buy assets and the returns that you get on those assets should be used to buy those luxury goods that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, making residual income is really important. Um, Cash flows is really important. And the things that can give you those cash flows are real estate and stocks for the most part. Um, just as an example, I recently started my investing um, life as well. I bought a house in the West End on Kenilworth Drive. And um, I bought it with one of my friends from, from high school just to tell you how much that has worked for us, not to like, you know, throw out numbers out there and say to brag or anything, but we bought that house for $276,000 mm-hmm. in April of 2020. And now the house on Zillow at least is worth 430,000, you know? Wow. And we've been renting it out all the while. So we don't pay the mortgage out of pocket at least. You know, wow. We make maybe 100 or 200 bucks a month on it. That's but amazing. that's the power of investing. You know, we've made over $100,000 in returns mm-hmm. with basically just holding a property, yeah. you know? 
So yeah, that's amazing. So you know, it's an interesting thing because, I, I, and I want to talk about this because I think you probably get this a lot. The 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 stop or the hesitation to people delving into real estate investment, and especially like I'm going to share my experience is that you know I grew up. I mean, I was trying to be a doctor, right? I like to buy a house was to buy a house to live in. I had no clue about real estate investing. And then to, and then it's, and then when I did start to learn about it in my, probably in my like mid thirties, then it was seemed like such a gargantuan. Cause I wasn't even in my, in my mid thirties, like I was just kind of getting started with my private practice. So I wasn't, and I didn't feel like I was in a financial position to be able to go and buy or flip houses or buy and rent houses. And it just didn't occur for me like I could do it. So I imagine as something that you see a lot is that in our community, it just seems so big and so scary that if, if you know, like that in and of itself is a stop, right? But then here you are. And I wonder what kind of mindset you and your friend had to know that that at your age, you could do that. Now, I know that you had already been working in the mortgage profession that could have helped, right? <laughs> but but there's, there's a different mindset that you have to just be like willing to jump in and you partner with your friend and now you guys are making this money, right? I'm just learning this now in the last five years that, oh, this is possible. Right. So one of my favorite quotes is fortune favors the bold. And I live by that. I mm-hmm. feel like if you can go after big goals, you're gonna that one of two things is gonna happen. You're gonna learn a, gonna learn a really big lesson, and that's still a blessing in itself. Or you're gonna exceed massively, which is clearly a blessing as well. So that's kind of my my idea of going into things. You'll never really feel completely ready. I don't think there's any human being in the world that doesn't feel fair at all. You know, I definitely feel fear when I started this business, I was in fear. Um, and I still, you know, I still have things that kind of put me in fear now, but that's, I feel like if your motivation overcomes your fear level and you'll be able to be successful. And that's the thing about it is I don't, I just, I do feel the same emotions that everyone else feels. I do feel nervous. Things may not work out, but I frame it in a way where it's beneficial to me. One of two things are going to happen. I'm either going to learn or I'm going to succeed a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what motivates me to do things before um, it may seem like it's time for me to do it. I started this mortgage company when I was 24 years old. And, you know, there's really no one who does that. It doesn't right. seem like a logical thing to do. But for me, it was just like I wanted a challenge. And I figured I'd never feel more ready. It just was a matter of just going forward if I failed. It would just be a lesson learned. So I think that's the mindset that people need to have. If you if you do feel that fair, work on motivating yourself to that level where you feel like that's going to supersede whatever fear you have. And just know that you really have nothing to lose. You just have something to learn. And if you're not ready yet, get ready, you know? Yeah, this is so great. No, this is just, you just dropped so many gems. Like my favorite one, fortune favors the bold. Oh my goodness. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to use it. I'm going to like, like say it for myself, right? Because even though there are so many um, uh, jumps off of cliffs that I've taken in my life, right? I still have to be reminded 
And especially when I'm stepping into, cause you know, as, you, as we, as we get older and we get comfortable and especially when we get, we, we attain a success, we get comfortable in the knowing of the thing that we're doing that brings that success. And then when it's time to step into something new, then it's like, oh, but I, I'm comfortable over here and I'm still getting that success. But then it's time, but, but that, that boldness, you never know what that, that boldness can bring. And, right. and that for me, you know, is what had me step out into, you know, just like pull the trigger on this whole real estate thing. Cause I had been thinking about it for a while. And finally I was just like, you know what, stop thinking about it and be about it. Damn it. <laughs> so, exactly. so in, even in this whole process, and I know like in my mind, once this, this deal is complete, then I will have learned what I need to learn to do the next deal. Right. And then I can do a bigger deal the next time. Like, you know, that that's I'm starting to like um, absorb that quote, you know, like being bold, being decisive and taking those big steps. But what I want to teach my son, by the way, my son is seven or he'll be seven. I just tell everybody seven, but he'll be seven in October. This is the thing that's so important to me to teach my son. It is this kind of thing now, like being bold, stepping outside that box, being true to you. And that's what I love about what you did is like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're going to the school to appease your parents and, and, and yet you're finding a, um, you're finding a love in the mortgage industry and you're, and you're gaining a knowledge and gaining that, that literacy. And a lot of us in our generation, we just did what our parents said, not like that's a bad thing. Cause you know, successes come from that, but there I'm seeing a lot of, in, at least in my profession, doctors who went to medical school because their parents, that was culturally what they did or their parents wanted them to, or they said it once and their parents locked in on that. And now they realize that wasn't for them. And like, right? right. So, so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful thing that you learn that lesson so early and, and it gives me so much um, hope space for, you know, how my son can learn it. I might have to like send him for you to mentor him like one summer, like <laughs> go work for Calvin <laughs> once he gets older. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a question because I think that from the standpoint of, of buying a home or, or achieving like home ownership, um, that people think that it's, it's a, it's a very difficult process. You have to already have, uh, a lot of money to do that. And I would love for you to dispel sort of some myths of, of, of home buying, if you will, like some of the things that people think and say are true that you're like, not necessarily. Right. So here's a couple myths that I've heard. Um, one, buying a home is more expensive than renting. Um, you need a huge amount of money for a down payment. Uh, things like that are, are what I oftentimes hear. I don't have the credit. Um, I'm not old enough. It's, the, the list goes on and on. But in terms of buying a home, it's really not as expensive as many people think. Me being a mortgage professional, I've obviously gotten to see the inner workings of what it takes to buy a home. And it's honestly, there's three things we look at. You look, I would call it ICE, it's an acronym. The um, 
It's for income, credit, and employment. Those are the three main things you need to have to buy a home. So first off with income, you wanna have documentable income. Um, if you're like a W-2 employee, you know, your W-2s and your pay stubs suffice for showing your income. If you're self-employed, tax returns and bank statements will be used to determine your income. Um, credit, you know, everyone has a credit score and we wanna see your credit score be at least above over a 620 for my company. You wanna see at least be over a 620. The higher, the better though, of course. And then there's employment. Employment's gonna be just showing that you've worked at some sort of company or you've been in school for the past two years. We just wanna see that you're doing something to advance yourself for the past two years, essentially. If you have those three things, then you can buy a home. In terms of the down payment, there's two types of loans that we generally see people do. Um, it's either an FHA loan or a conventional loan. The third one that we see is the VA loan for those that are uh, military veterans. There's 100% down, so they don't have to pay any down payment costs, but there are still closing costs associated with that, mm -hmm. which my company can help with in some capacity at certain times. Um, the conventional loan, you're looking at 3% down to 5% down. So that just depends on your income level. If you make a lot of income, you may not be able to access the 3% down program, but you can access the 5% down program. Mm -hmm. if it's I mean, residents. So just to think about that, for every $100,000, you're looking at three dollars to $5,000 in down payment for the, um, for the conventional loan. And there's FHA, which is 3.5%. That's really efficient for first-time home buyers and people who may have credit scores below a 700 and are looking for a primary residence. So there's a lot of different options out there. And for our investors as well, it's generally speaking 20% down to start with. Um, but investing is, is, it's never too early to start investing. And if the numbers work out, we can help you kind of decide if it's going to be worth it for you. You know, you stand to make a lot more money than you spend. So it's all about leverage. Our communities in general, um, at times we tend to be afraid of the bank. So we don't want to, we don't think the banks are our friend, yeah. but really we need to actually start having those conversations with banks. We need to look for investors. We need to pool our money together to take on big projects mm -hmm. and to achieve what's called economies of scale. Because when you get to a certain size doing something, you can stand to make a lot more money and you can have a lot more impact on the market. So one thing I would say that I've learned as being a business professional and running a business is that sometimes you have to go into uncharted territories, be around people of different ethnicities, and you have to pursue, you know, money you have to pursue banking you have to go out there and meet people talk to people and really take it upon yourself to expand your your horizons because it's important to have a support system in terms of banking and finance don't be afraid of the banks don't be afraid to talk to a loan officer or professional about your investing goals because people like me out there if you're not ready today we're going to get you ready you know it's not just simple Oh, you qualify, you don't, don't figure it out. It's, we're going to help you figure it out. Yeah. You know, so I love what you said, like, you know, our, their, our community, we don't necessarily trust banks. So we don't think that banks and loan officers are our friend. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that brought to me was in order to move forward, we have to leverage a system, even if it's not built to benefit us. And the best way to leverage the system is to learn the system 
right? So if we learn the system, then we know how to leverage it. And we don't, <laughs> you don't have to, in this, in this particular case, you don't have to trust something to learn it and to be able to leverage it, right? To your right. benefit, because that's what we need to be doing right now in order to, and until, until such time that we can create our very own, you know, like you said, economies of scale, right? Um, and, and the other thing is, I think that a lot of times people don't want to talk to um, like loan officers or they don't want to pursue it because of shame, like personal shame. Like, you know, they should be further along or, you know, there's a lot of shaming around credit scores, um, a lot of judgment around uh, personal finance and credit scores, especially once you get to a certain age. And so what happens is that, you know, people will be trying to work on this stuff themselves or they'll just give up completely, right? Which is definitely not the, the most, the, the, the best choice right? because if you're giving right. up, if you're completely giving up, then you're leaving on the table all the opportunity. But I think what I want, you know, the listeners to know is that um, even if you feel embarrassed um, or, or some sort of shame around your finances, the best way to begin to remedy that is to talk to someone um, about what's going on so that you can see how it is that you can fix it. And it feels so empowering. And a lot of times you realize you're not as bad off as you think, right? Absolutely. So little story. Um, I, you know, I, I, I do well. And I had not until recently hired, officially hired me a fee-based financial consultant because, you know, I, I did not want to look at, I have student loans right? and I'm paying them down, but I just did not want to look at where my net worth it was or was not. Right. I feel like, oh, I'm 46. My net worth should be a particular place. Right. And if it's not that particular place, I'm just going to keep, you know, chunking it down until I feel like this would be the right time for it to be for me to look at it, but that's not the right attitude to have. So anyway, I finally said, okay, you know what, if I'm really trying to like break cycles, I need to kind of know where I am so that I can know how to get to where I want to be. And turns out I'm not nearly as bad as I thought I was like, I'm not even close. So I'm like looking at my stuff, like, wow. Now imagine if I had five years ago, 10 years ago done this, then I might be way far ahead. So I say, take the lesson from the oldest, the older people here who, <laughs> who have procrastinated and not taken action because of fear and shame. You have to get rid of that. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who are way better off than they thought they would be. You know, that's the thing is you never know where you stand until you speak to someone and you figure out all of the options that you have. And one of the things I like to compare this to is like, okay, if you have an illness and you don't go to the doctor, you might feel good about it because, you know, you don't have to pay those medical bills. You don't have to confront what your health issues are, but thinking more long-term, those health issues can get you in a lot of trouble. Those things can affect all aspects of your life. Right now, it can start off as a small problem, but it can eventually become very large. So I always recommend getting a financial checkup, whether that be a mortgage, um, a mortgage check-in with someone like myself, 
or even with a financial advisor, someone who can at least take a look at your finances and say, here, this, this is where we stand. This is what your financial, financial health looks like. And given your goals and where you want to go, this is what you should be doing every month, every week, every year to get exactly where you want to be. And I think thinking of things in more of that type of sense where we're doing preventative financial work or we're doing proactive, preemptive financial work is what's important for our community. We can't just wait till there's crisis right. for us to speak to someone who's a professional. We have to actually build wealth. We can't fear being broke. We have to want to be wealthy, yes. you know? So we have to be driven by a greater goal. We can't just fear the worst case. And that's what I feel like it's what creates people who are gonna be great entrepreneurs, people who are gonna be great um, people, great financial literacy, right? So. As a community, oftentimes we we fear being broke, but the true motivation should be to to build wealth. We have to actively move towards building wealth mm-hmm. instead of fearing fearing what could happen if we if we do the opposite, right. you know. And then that spurs upon you um, doing the research that's needed. You know, you do the research that's needed. You you find the connections that are needed. You're moving towards something positive. Yeah, you know, building actively instead of trying to um, maintain what you have. Because, you know, for some people, they might make $10,000 and they think, okay, I have a ton of money, right? Let me protect everything I have. But the real mindset is, let me take my $10,000, let me turn this into 100,000. Yes, right. That's the difference between, you know, being fearful and being motivated by something mm-hmm. else. That's yeah. the difference. I love that. And, and, you know, it's so interesting. So in, in, in the world of NLP, in the world of mind remapping, you know, that that's what I do. That's what I train in NLP. We talk about this whole moving towards versus away from, right. And what you focus your mind on is what you produce. And so, you know, we are good at crisis management because how our history is all about averting crisis. Our history is about coming out of crisis you know, our, our history is all about that, right? Well, let me just say the history that we've been taught is all about that, right? The, this history of, of, of moving away from tragedy, moving away from chaos, moving away from, um, you know, the negative. That's all we've been taught. And we're, we haven't, we weren't taught who the other part of our descendants, which is, you know, the kings and queens and inventors and musicians and business owners and millionaires and, you know, like property owners, landowners. We weren't taught that aspect of it. I could say that's by design, but that's a whole other podcast. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's, it's important what, where you focus your mind is what you produce. And when we're focused on, Oh, I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be broke. Uh, you know, the, the thing about the unconscious mind is that it doesn't recognize linguistically the negative. It doesn't recognize the not or the don't or the, so, what, so when you're saying that you don't want all your mind hears is that thing that you don't want. And so then you're focusing on that. And guess what you do is you produce more of that. So it's so great that you're saying like, we have to focus toward like our wealth, focus toward building instead of focusing away from and running away from and being in fear about something we're trying to get out of. Um, that's one of the, the basic tenets of, of like remapping minds is like starting to look at, look at the, listen to the language that's coming out of our mouths and look at where we're putting our focus. I really love that you said that. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I'm, I'm just trying to think if I have any more questions because we've covered so much ground. Like we've covered just from um, this, the myths from home buying, we've covered, you know, this like focusing toward our wealth and learning. I think that's one thing we've talked, we kind of, we've kind of skipped, skimmed the surface, but haven't really like really gone deeper into it is this whole idea of financial literacy, like becoming literate and what that means actually. And like, what are, if we, if you were to say like, what are the first steps to taking to becoming financial, financially literate, what would you say? I say the first step of becoming financial with financially literate is figuring out what your specific goals are. Mm-hmm. What do you want out of life? Cause then you have a baseline of where you're trying to go. So if you're someone whose goal is to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have a different roadmap than someone whose goal is to retire um, at 55, maybe with $10 million in the bank, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So figure out where you're going first, figure out where you're going. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out where you're going, you can start reverse engineering what specifically you need to make in a year to reach your goal or what businesses you need to start to reach your goal. Um, there's just a lot of different ways to get there. And once, you'll, once you become financially literate, you realize, well, there's more options than I thought. When we're not as financially literate, there seems like there's maybe one or two paths to get rich. You know, we go to the NBA, we play football, um, our parents are born rich, the list goes on and on. But those are all, a lot of people think that, but the truth is, is that you can make a lot more money off of being smart than you can make money off of being athletic. And you can make a lot more money off of being disciplined than you can by just being, you know, someone who just makes a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, is that the power of compounding interest, whether that be um, investing in in stocks or investing in real estate, once we let our money compound, we can create a large amount of wealth. Because that's just a basic, simple example. Um, If we get 10% returns on a million dollars, you can make $100,000 a year without lifting a finger. Mm. Um, if you make 10% returns on $10 million, um, you can make a million dollars a year without lifting a finger. So it's just understanding the way the numbers work in relation to each other mm-hmm. to build that wealth that you want to reach your end goal. And I think the best way to start is by just doing basic research. We all have you know, Google to start with and just start Googling basic business terms or going to YouTube and and watch some videos. Um, and if you specifically have a goal to buy a house, you know, speak to someone who's a professional like myself. Um, that's what I recommend is just figuring out what your goals are. And then we can start reverse engineering a way to get you there. Yes. Yes. And, you know, as you're speaking, I'm like, you know, do, you need to create a course <laughs> or coaching program because you have so much knowledge and, you know, they say, multiple streams. But I mean, you just have so much knowledge that people could really benefit from just getting, just to get started and, and achieving that financial literacy from the get. Right. And, and yeah, that's, that's all I want to say about it is that I just, you know, I'm the, that's the entrepreneur brain that I have. It's like, why does it have some kind of course? And I'm sure you, it's not the first time that you've been told that. Uh, <laughs> and it won't be the last time. So just just putting the bug in your ear. If you um, if you create it and market it, then they will come. Especially the given the shift in 
um, mindset that we're seeing in our community around building wealth. I mean, we, it, it, it's happening, right? Mm, we're absolutely. seeing that shift in, in, our, in our mindset. Um, given that's the case, I think that it's important that we have people like you who are dedicated to, to helping people gain that literacy, gain that knowledge, right? And, and um, get to that next level. So I just thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm trying to help help any way I can, you know? Yeah. Well, you not only are helping me, but in this conversation, I know you're going to help a ton more. So I can't wait to share it with our community. And of course, I want you to let our listeners know what's the best way to reach out to you, especially if you're, uh, well, you, you, do you help people outside of Georgia, by the way? We're licensed currently in Georgia, Florida, and Texas. Mm-hmm. We're, our next goal is to take over all the Southeast. So Virginia's coming to North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama. Um, so we're going to fill out the whole Southeast. But right now, Georgia, Florida, and Texas for um, residential mortgages. But we do commercial properties in all 50 states. So. Oh, all right. So listen up, y'all. Um, if you are uh, in the Southeast region, because very, very soon, um, Calvin is going to be taking over the Southeast region, or if you're doing corporate in any of the 50 of the United States, you need to reach out the, to this brother right here. And how would they do such a thing? So you can text me on my personal phone number. My number is 770-656-9593, 770-656-9593. Or you can go to our website, which is www goldwaterhomeloans.com so gold like you know we all like gold chains <laughs> water like the water in the ocean and, and homeloans.com will get you there and you can just apply online we'll get your information one of our loan officers will reach out to you within you know five minutes so multiple ways to reach us you can also follow us on instagram at goldwater home loans and um same with facebook at goldwater home loans you can reach us there as well Awesome. Well, we definitely will have this in the show notes so that uh, people can like reach out. Or if you're list- if you're watching this video, like if you're watching it on YouTube, you're watching the video, then um, it'll be in the description. It'll be in the description. So if you're in the you know Southeast region, Texas, uh, Georgia, Florida, and then all of you know the Southeast region is coming, and you're thinking about buying a home. You want to keep this brother's number in your pocket. All right. Lock them into your cell phone. I can't believe you just gave your, your personal cell phone number. <laughs> you need a business phone. Um, uh, and so, um, yeah, I'm just reach out to him. He like true story. Like they, if you reach out to them, they'll reach out to you like very, very quickly. They're very communicative, um, you know, very, you know, like just accommodating and also will tell you the real, real, like tell you what's you know, what you qualify for, what you need to do, what they're looking for. And that's what I really love. It's just someone who's just really straight, but also is willing to teach and help you understand the process. So, absolutely, yes. So anyways, I so appreciate you being on. Um, I am going to, so the listeners heard me earlier squeal because I know your father and (laughs) I can't wait to text Dr. Wilkinson and let him know that I just interviewed his son on my podcast. And for those of you, quick story, for those of you listening, I met Calvin's father 
well over probably a good decade ago. Um, and when he owns, it's uh, American International University of Medicine, right? School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And he owns, he owns this school. And so, you know, 10 years ago or so, I was asked to speak at the graduation keynote, a graduation at his father's school. And that's how we met. And so we've been sort of like, you know, in communication ever since off and on. Um, but I've always regarded Dr. Wilkinson as an amazing person uh, who, you know, I've just been blessed to have in my circle of influence. And now here I am talking to his son who, you know, two degrees of separation, you guys, you just never know who you're going to run into. And that's why it's important to, you know, like be kind, be, um, you know, be grateful and, and just put yourself out there because you just, you never know like when all of these things will come full circle and how your community of, of influence, your circle of influence grows. Cause I, I was clear from the first time that we talked that you and I were going to have a long-term you know, business relationship. So he's on my team. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool beans. Anything you want to leave the listeners with before we get done? So just a few pointers. Just remember, fortune favors the bold. Let's run towards financial freedom. Instead of running away from being broke or poor, let's run towards having wealth. Make those connections. Reach out to people before you even think you're ready because you may never feel quite ready. Always let your drive supersede your fear. We need more drive than fear. And I think those things right there are the main takeaways. And if you can implement those in your life, then the sky's the limit. Wonderful words. Gold, you guys. Take them and run with them. So you guys heard it here. Go text Calvin. Or go to the website, goldwaterhomeloans.com. And, you know, as always, thank the listeners for listening because without you, there is no podcast. Um, I, as always, I ask that you leave a comment or leave a review and let the people know behind you that there is transformational conversation happening here because that is what this podcast is for, is to empower you to create the next level of your life. So you guys stay safe. Stay healthy, and we will see you on the next podcast. See you soon. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Namaste, y'all. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Remember to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode. Also, this is truly a movement for us, and I'm committed that this message reaches the masses. However, I am clear that it is you, our listeners, who help us to grow. So if you like this podcast, I would love and appreciate if you'd let us know. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and then share it with just three of your friends. We want to expand our reach and bring transformation to all of our brothers and sisters out there who are still seeking more freedom, purpose, and peace of mind in their lives. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to join our community, it's simple. Go to www.mindremappingnation.com. And if you're interested in learning more about NLP and hypnosis and how you can learn and train with us, consider 
looking at our upcoming classes. You can read more about that at remapmymind.com or schedule directly if you want more deep work at remapmymind.today. As always, we love and appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Namaste.